What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I am your host, Brett McGrath. If you are a longtime listener, welcome back. Excited to have you. If you are new to the program, I welcome you too. Hopefully, one of the longtime listeners told a damn friend about the Stacking Slabs podcast, and that's why you're here. Appreciate it. We talk about collecting sports cards on this program. I share what I'm doing, my process, how I'm going about navigating this wild hobby. There was a lot of madness, craziness going on. We don't really like to get too down in the weeds on mainstream topics. That's not what we're here for. We're here about for collecting cards. Of course, inevitably, we cannot completely dodge that, but we're going to touch on it. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. I'm on the heels of dealing with a, a sick kid. You know, you, you take your kid to school slash daycare for the first time, and what happens? The kid gets sick, and my little one, she has been a trooper fighting through um, the first week of daycare sickness. Uh, a lot of boogers. It's booger mania over here. Got the eye boogers, you know, the, the snot boogers, all the boogers. Um, and hit a little temperature last night, hoping we're on the, the mend on the other side of this. You know, as a parent, you're dealing with the sickness for the first time and you feel so helpless, but then you talk to other parents and they say, yeah, it's normal. You'll be okay. It'll be okay. So we are, we are uh, trying to get through that over here. I'm uh, in quarantine a little bit up in my home office as I record this episode. Inevitably, I will be sick probably by the time this goes live, but that's how it goes. We are in the period of time where we all just get really amped up and really excited if we love and appreciate sports. You've got baseball playoffs going on. You've got the first quarter or so of the NFL season under our belts, whether you're happy or sad about that. And you've got NBA tip happening when this goes live, which is insane. It snuck up on you. It snuck up on me. I can tell you that from the jump. And I just had this moment, I think, where it all hit me. I, uh, on Friday night, I watched the entirety of, um, you know, Pacers preseason game against the Rockets. I didn't get a chance to check them out on Wednesday when they played, um, but I, I watched a full game and it's preseason, but I don't know. It just makes me feel good that NBA is back. It's such a fun distraction. Um, it's always on. There's always something to watch. Shout out to all you League Pass DGens out there. All you people that stay up way past your bedtime watching the West Coast games. I, I see you out there keeping the stats, getting your fantasy tracked, your daily fantasy. Or maybe you're just staying up late because you just got a guy out there that you're collecting that you got to see their games. Um, League Pass is an, an amazing, amazing package where you can literally see everything. A little bit of a rant, wasn't expecting to do this off the jump, but I got to say this, the the biggest heel move of the NBA of all time was uh, this Bally's gimmick that's being run. Um, you know, I was really happy with Fox Sports. We had five Fox, I, I literally live less than a mile away from Gangbridge where the Pacers play. And, um, I, I, I'm a streamer, no cable. I'm a YouTube TV guy. Well, here's the deal. But last year, there was no way if you didn't have cable that you could watch the Indiana Pacers 
even if you lived less than a mile away. It was insane. So what do I do? I call in the dad, get the cable login because, you know, he's doing his thing. And I, I, I do a makeshift of, of that. Now, you know, Bally's is charging a premium. So I'm a league pass subscriber. And then now because I don't have cable, I got to buy this Bally's gimmick to watch the pay. It, it's, it's terrible. Like it is terrible. TV deals, licensing agreement sucks. It sucks because it impacts the fan. And the fact too, that, you know, you can buy NBA league pass and you can't get around it because they black out the local games. None of it makes any sense to me. It really doesn't. So all of a sudden you're getting to this point where it's like, I'm shelling out all this money to watch NBA basketball. And it's like, why can't I watch my, my team? So I'm dealing with that. It sucks. I know I'm not the only one. If you're out there and you do not like Bally's, I'm with you. Bally Sports, boo. Not a fan. Not a sponsor. Not an official sponsor. We're just throwing tomatoes at Bally Sports. It's the stupidest thing that has happened since NBA basketball has been streaming live for everyone else. You would think in a world where we have access to everything, you'd be able to easily watch your local team and it's not possible. It goes down on the consumer. So I think that sucks. But anyways, let's spin it back up. Let's get positive. Um, I was driving downtown back from the doctor's office on Saturday morning. My wife said, hey, what do you want to get to lunch? Uh, They just opened up a new Chick-fil-A monstrosity in downtown Indianapolis. And she said, let's do some Chick-fil-A. And and the world we live in now, it's we're we're heading into downtown. I say, get the app out. We get the orders in, put the orders in, park right by it. My wife goes in, you know, grabs the Chick-fil-A. And it's amazing. Shout out Chick-fil-A, the unofficial sponsor of the Stacking Slabs podcast. I know it. only thing, you know, not open on Sundays. So as I'm recording this, I couldn't go out and get some nuggets or a buffalo chicken, which sucks. But I had one yesterday, so I shouldn't probably eat it two days in a row. So maybe it's a good thing that it's closed on Sundays. But I uh, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A if, if you're going fast food and based on where I'm at, you're going Chick-fil-A or you're going Shake Shack, full stop. I mean, those are the two, the premium, that top that top shelf. I'm I'm all about Chick-fil-A and I'm all about Shake Shack. Now I'm getting hungry as I'm recording this and I'm sidetracking myself. But as we were on this uh voyage back from the doctor's office to uh Chick-fil-A, we hit Michigan and I look over as I'm at a stoplight and I hadn't seen it in a while and it's the Reggie Miller mural that is on one of the buildings, which uh, has been something, but there's been Indiana legends, Kurt Vonnegut, there's paintings everywhere. Shout out to the artist. I actually was looking this up and I'm glad I still have the tab up as I'm recording this. So I'm going to give her a quick shout if my, uh, maybe I won't, Uh, Pamela Bliss, I think her name is. If I get that wrong, it's my, my bad. But uh, yeah, here we go. I got the article up. Yeah, Pamela Bliss, local artist, making that happen. It's beautiful. Um, But I got hit with so many uh, nostalgic feels as I saw Reggie Miller on the side of the building in his Flojo. Perfect time with NBA season kicking off. You know, nostalgia of growing up as a Pacers fan in Indianapolis hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, And going back into the memory bank and thinking about all the teams and all the series and all the rivalries. 
And it got me really motivated and excited because I think with the pace of this Pacers team this year, not going to win a ton of games, super young, exciting, but a lot of fun. And so what I want to ask you, the listener of the Stag Slash podcast, is if you got cards this week, especially like nostalgic NBA cards, share them, post them, let me see them. I want to get excited about just the NBA kickoff. And the best way for me to get excited is to revisit my past. And I, when I'm talking about revisiting my past, I'm thinking about just like, you know, when you, you get home from school and you have an East Bay magazine sitting on your kitchen table and you, you're thumbing through it and you're like opening it and you're, you go to the jerseys and all of a sudden you're like parents look at you and they're like, you're, they're just waiting for you to ask for like, you know, the new, um, you know, Sean Kemp jersey or something like that's what I'm talking about revisiting my past. And I think like, you know, just this, these feelings of like going to the mall and seeing the jerseys hung up on the walls, um, seeing all the new shoes, um, that, that, that to me is the NBA, like that, that, like those feels. And so as I'm thinking about like what it would look like for me to start getting deeper into collecting NBA cards, I'm thinking about the nostalgia and I love connecting my collecting with the nostalgia whether you prospect or not i think about prospecting back in the day and we didn't really call it prospecting but it was just like you know you watch college basketball and then all of a sudden you follow these guys getting drafted and then seeing them in in nba jerseys for the first time was like the coolest shit ever it was like i gotta get that jerry stackhouse jersey i gotta go buy all of his cards i i gotta just i i'm all in when i get the nba live 95, 96, I got to be, you know, the 76 or so I can be Jerry Stackhouse. That was fun, man. And I think the NBA is fun. The it, the current product is fun. But for me, um, I watch every Pacers game. I'm a Pacers fan. I'll be going to some games. I got a three-game homestand to start the year, hopefully, hoping to get to one of those games because I got to see my man, Benedict Matherin. This this boy can score. Um, he's, he's a killer. So excited about that draft pick. And I'm excited about Halliburton and this young core. But uh, to me, the NBA, I think, will always be about connecting with the past. And so as I think about how I want to get back involved with uh, NBA cards, because it's been a long hiatus, I immediately think of digging back and the nostalgia. So if you've got bangers from the 90s, from the early 2000s that you're proud of, that you really love, it's the season's kicking off this week. Post those things. Tag me at Stacking Slabs. And I'd love to see him and get those nostalgic feels. I'm sitting here with a lot of uncertainty going into today. It is a Colts home game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We are hurt. We have not played well this season. Um, we need a win. Somehow, we're keeping our head above water. Maybe that. Uh, maybe we go under after today. But even though the start to the season hasn't been perfect. It's hardly ever perfect, no matter who you're a fan of or what your team is. And it never really goes your way unless you're an Eagles fan right now, or we'll hold, I'll hold that until Monday night football gets over with. I think it never really goes the way you planned or envisioned as, you know, a fan. It's the NFL is brutal. I made a comment. Excuse me. I said Monday night, the Eagles Cowboys Sunday night football. So we'll know before then. But I've made a comment that like being an NFL fan is like one of the most brutal experiences ever because you get your face kicked in, but then there's always you, you like midweek, you try to forget about it and then you go into next season or ne next week. And it just takes this one moment where someone shows you something that you can hold on to and get excited about. 
then you get a win, then you lose. It's just, it's tough, but we love it because we're addicted. And so I love this feeling going into this game, trying to be as optimistic as possible, but who knows? I'm not going to let it rain on my parade, but I spend the money to get, to be a season ticket holder so I can go all in on the fan that I love. And that is what I'm certainly doing. So as I hang up this episode of Stagging Silas Podcast, I'm going to put on my shit. I'm going to go, I'm going to be fired up. And I hope I see a good game today. Getting into the, Topics at hand. There were a ton of tinfoil hats out in the hobby this past week. A lot of mathematicians, a lot of narrative writers in the hobby seeing all these skills on full blast. And it, to me, it was there's always going to be narrative. There's always going to be maybe not math, but maybe there is math. There's a lot of data or data speculation and maybe some tinfoil hats always. But it was a reminder to me about why this show and the way I operate is the alternative to the mainstream in the hobby. I think there's the mainstream speculation. There's the pointing of the fingers. There's the you do you. There's all this stuff that goes down and it's always going to go down. And that's just the nature of the beast in any market where people are spending money. I think there's also tremendous value in not getting caught up in this mess as new collectors. And this is not an indictment and in saying turn a blind eye or this is not a you need to go and start, you know, prosecuting everyone. You if you we can all make these decisions. It is not a blanket statement. Like just because someone does something one way doesn't mean that everyone has to do it that way. And I think for me as I think about this past week and I don't like literally am so exhausted by it and don't even want to get into like all the finger pointing and speculation and I won't do it. There's plenty of other programs that cover it and this is not going to be one of them. But what I can say is to me, back to the NBA nostalgia, I think there's tremendous value in not getting caught up in new stuff. And I think if you're not getting caught up in new stuff, you don't pay the ridiculous prices. You don't have to worry about the breaker doing this or that. There's more stability. It's less of a gamble. I mean, I think whenever there's a gamble element there's greed involved. Greed isn't too far involved. And again, like this is one of the flavors of the hobby that people love. People love the new, people love the gambling, and that's fine. That's a segment. If you're all in, go for it. There's a ton of content out there that is built for that flavor. This really isn't one of them because we're talking about collecting sports cards on this program. So I think I'm trying to shield myself from all the bullshit and I'm trying to be a little bit of a bubble boy. And I know it's, I just don't care. Like straight up, like I don't really care. I, I, I don't care because I don't have the time to invest all of this energy and putting people on trial and saying this person's corrupt. I don't have the time. This is a hobby to me. I want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy what I like and what I collect. I think that's why I spend most of my time in the lanes that I collect in because it protects me from the madness. And I think I've been stuck in this current state of the hobby for a while and I love it. I think it allows me to spend more time, the time that I do have connecting with my past, thinking about these moments in time that really made me happy as a sports fan and doing whatever I can to buy cards to help satisfy those memories. It's less volatile less people trying to pump it, less all this, it runs its course. If you're buying cards because you love them, then 
and it's because it's something that is not mainstream or not the flavor of the week, like stuff ends up just working itself out and playing itself out. And you have these cards, not because you're trying to profit off of them, but because they fill a void in a collection that you are curating. I love meeting other people and sharing these memories, connecting with people who fans of the, the players and teams I were, who have cards to represent that. People who operate and collect in this lane of nostalgia come from a place of abundance for the most part. They're doing it because of this connection with their past and they're not doing it to flip and make two, three X. It's just not how it works. I think we're all busy professionals who use this damn hobby as an outlet. That's where I'm at right now. And I'll continue to be there for a while. And so as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, okay, what is the time period? Like, what is the parameter? Like, I'm going to explore this. Like, when are the moments when people stop hyping, stop pumping, stop corrupting, stop all this stuff? And I don't know. But I I decided to just take a step back and be like, let's look at a a year, a decade ago. Like, what was going on a decade ago? And like, look at some of the players and what happened a decade ago. Then maybe two decades ago, what was going on? And, And then draw maybe a few conclusions. So a decade, which is crazy, like, I don't know, I've never seen anyone really talk about this, even though it's like pretty apparent and out in the public. And all we have to do is just think about it. But we are a decade removed from 2012. And when we think about 2012 and the hobby, we think a lot about the first year of cards, Benini license, Prism, all of that. 2012 is a big year, It probably will always be a big year in the hobby. If you Thinking about 2012 from an NBA perspective, Heat, champions, LeBron, MVP, LeBron, first title. It's nuts. That's It's been a decade ago, which is crazy. You think about the players that were drafted in 2012. Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, Andre Drummond, Chris Middleton, Draymond Green. All those guys are all-stars, made all-star games at some point in their career. But when you look at those players... A.D., Lillard, Beal, Drummond, Middleton, Draymond. I would say all of those guys have had pretty damn good careers. There's variation on like out of that group, like what would be who is Hall of Fame worthy or who is not. or there, There'll be a lot of speculation into that. But I would say across the board, all of those guys have have seen some level of success and some level of collectability in the hobby. However, I would say none of these players, although consistent all-stars, some potential Hall of Famers, some certain Hall of Famers, they're, you, you say those names and there's not hashtag invest and in, in tied to it. So to me, since there's not hashtag invest or any other kind of run up or pump, are, does that mean that those are good guys to collect right now because it avoids some of the BS? Potentially. And I think that's maybe looking 10 years removed, you're going to see guys who are rookies 10 years ago who have had really good careers. But since they were rookies 10 years ago, maybe they have less attention than your LaMelo Balls or your Anthony Edwards of the Worlds or your Cade Cunningham, all of that. That's something interesting to look at. On the NFL side, 10 years ago, you had the Ravens winning the Super Bowl. You had Adrian Peterson running back winning MVP. This was the luck, RG3, Wilson, Tannehill, Bobby Wagner, Doug Martin, Kirk Cousins. Jesus, Kirk I mean, it seems like Kirk Cousins has been playing for 20 years. But uh, looking at that, now in that group, you, like with a guy like Luck, it, you know, he has been gone for a while. But he now, for me as a collector of him, 
there's I have nostalgia for him. So I'm buying Andrew Luck cards, and I would say there's probably RG3 people buying RG3 cards. And Russ Wilson, even though no one, he's an easy meme and he's easy to make fun of right now, he won a Super Bowl with the Seahawks and has had a very successful career. And while there are probably mainstream platforms that aren't saying go buy Russ Wilson right now, it's probably a good time to buy Russell Wilson. So I think these are interesting things I think about 10 years from now. 2002. 20 years ago, I think about immediately, I think about the, the finest set in football with X Fractors in first years because I have a Peyton. That's my favorite card. Champions, Lakers, MVP Shaq, Boozer, Carlos Boozer, rookie, Kron Butler, Yao Ming, Amari Stoudemire. Yao Ming at this point, like, it's almost like I saw MK Sports cards post some Yao Mings earlier this weekend it's like jesus he was a rookie 20 years ago it's like oh did that even really even happen that's where we're at right now but those are fun players to collect nfl side bucks were the mvp 20 years ago or bucks were the super bowl champions 20 years ago rich gannon was the mvp rookies julius pepper dwight freeney jeremy shockey ed reed clinton portis Dion branch i mean jesus like so much nostalgia and that's 20 years ago so it's like just removing yourself from the new and digging 10 years, digging 20 years at a time, I think is an interesting thing. Um, thinking a decade behind, you begin to see longevity, you begin to see consistency. I think situations where guys aren't playing but are still but still have relevant fan bases like an Andrew Luck. Um, players aren't the most flashy or the mainstream as you remove time, but are established and can be collectible, especially if it's someone who you like. I think when you look, look two decades behind, you're really starting to get hit with a wave of nostalgia. You've got the Hall of Fame element built into it too, which is interesting. And then, as I mentioned with a guy like Yao Ming, it's like a fever dream. It's like, did that even really happen? It seems like it happened so long ago, but was such a historic uh, player for the game of basketball. I think uh, you get to avoid the hype and enjoy cards in the pure, pure form and state. And I think, what if, if, think about this, like what if, Everything you saw in the hobby started a decade behind, and I'm I'm not trying to completely dump on the new, but just think about if there are more content platforms that were catering to older cards. Think about if selling platforms did a better job of catering to older cards. Think about what your IG feed would look like. I think the biggest drawback, if there was more content catered to this uh, segment, would be just the connecting of the game and current players, but what would the conversations look like? I think it would be less about money and buy card to get cash and would be more about collecting and reasons why. There's no wrong way to do this thing. There is no, it's do whatever makes you happy. But I think I have been interested and I think I have connected more with the hobby the more that I rewind the tape a little bit and buy cards that connect back to memories in my mind. And I think that's what keeps me coming back again and again and again. I want to shout out everyone who posted their Cracked Ice season tickets. I put this on Instagram. I've been on a Cracked Ice season tickets spree. Reasons why. They're beautiful cards. Affordable. Uh, they're scarce. They're just hit all the elements. And I think, you know, it's inevitable. Rookie Cracked Ice tickets people love. But like there's, you know, vet, vet stuff. And I, I wanted to get a pulse of the community see what you all felt and got a lot of cards shared so thank you for that if you have not already go check out the episode with pack nicholson want to shout out john 
Really enjoyed that conversation. Talk Bonzi Wells. Talk about collecting his Bears players. A lot of nostalgia in there. I've got my man Austin Carlson cards on the program this Friday. He's been out and about setting up at a lot of different shows. So I want to get it, get a pulse. Want to see what's going on. And he's a good dude who I met at the Midwest Monster in, in Indy. So go check that out. Also, I put this on Instagram, but want to shout out my man Grant Waldorf Stories. He sent me a 2003 finest gold Dallas Clark out of 50 rookie auto card. And this thing is a banger. I posted it on Instagram. If you want to go check it out, maybe the coolest Dallas Clark I've ever seen. I am a finest simp. So that pulls up my heartstrings, but just a a very generous, here you go, pal gift. And I, I just want to shout, s- spend some time and shout him out for that. Much appreciated. If you're not following me already, follow me at Stacking Slabs across all your social channels. I've been getting some questions about my PSA process, what I do. Basically, the punchline of the way I operate when it comes to buying cards, I would say over the last year, two years, probably. 75 to 80% of what I'm buying is raw cards. And what I, I, I just, I find cards, I buy them raw, make sure they look good. Um, a lot of the cards that I'm buying are, they fit in the collection that I'm curating. And I can, I feel like if they were, some of them, if they were available, I'm graded, I would buy them. But some of these cards that I'm buying, just I can't find graded. So I, it, anyways, I've been buying a ton of raw cards. So I've, I'm staring at a, uh, a shoebox right now full of uh, raw cards in mags that I bought. Um, now, not all of these will be graded, but I would say probably 60, 70% of these cards would be graded. So when I buy raw cards, would I just get them back, I look at them, you know, clean them off, I put them in a mag and put them in this box. And then I, it's right by my desk. And so I just, I get a look through them just often. So I accumulate it until this box gets full. And then once the box gets full, then I submit my order to PSA. Now there are cards in here like my, you know, Roman Reigns ringside of one of one that I just got back that won't go in that general submission. This will be subbed by itself because of the value of the card. So I'll have to do some segmentation there. But that's basically what I do. What I do is I just get to a certain point. Then when I get to a certain point, then I run through the process of cleaning, putting them in uh, card savers, packaging them all up, and sending them out. Mostly because like. I just want to get it all done at once. And so that's the process that I use. And it seems to work for me. This is the first time I think in months that I don't actually have an active or going at PSA right now. I've got all mine back, which tells me that I need to get another order out. So that's what I'm going to be doing this week is try to prep cards and get them going. I do it myself. I've been doing it myself ever since I've been back in the hobby. I know others uh, send their cards to people to clean and do all that stuff. Whatever works for you is my recommendation. So to close out here, I put this on my story, got some good responses and I wanted to share it on the show. So I think I had an experience this week about being an underbidder on a card. So when I'm talking about an underbidder, I'm talking about the first loser and we've all been the first loser. We've been in this spot and we identify the card we want. We wait the seven days we're watching that thing. We see where it's at. And then it's like, all right, time to put a 3X bid on this. There's no way anyone's going to touch me. Oh, and by the, you set up your alerts too, because eBay never really alerts you the way you want it to be. So you, you get all your checks in place and you put in your, your chubby bid for 3X the price. 
or whatever it is, and you're sure and is shit confident that you're going to get it, mostly because it's a card that you think only you want. Then when you submit it, that you get the little loading screen thing, and then it says you're the loser. You're a loser, and you're crushed. You feel disappointed. And immediately, I think we all as collectors want to try to fill the void of this. We want to go try to uh, buy something else. And we've all been there. We bought something else, and we're like, why didn't we buy this? And we bought it just because we needed something. We needed to feel something after taking the L. Well, my recommendation, because this happened to me this week, is to take a step back and reflect this happened to me with the 2007 Topps Chrome Dallas Clark Super Fractor one of one. When I saw this card listed on eBay, I smashed like or smash watch and said, "This is I got to get this card." And let me rave a little bit about Dallas Clark. 505 receptions, career 5,665 yards, 53 touchdowns. He's a tight end, most likely not going to be a Hall of Famer, but he means a great deal to me. He was Peyton Manning's security blanket, the X Factor in so many wins. Just I just talked about the card Grant gifted me. I got that card, and it made me want this one even more. Um, I'm trying to curate a Colts collection with a lot of one-of-ones, and it sounds like fun the more I think about it. It's like building out this collection to represent Colts history in one-of-one form, and this was the perfect representation of Dallas Clark for me, and I lost. And that's okay. And as I thought about it, the reason I, I'm putting out the bat signal on my Instagram in here to say, if you got this card, I'm I'm interested in it. <laughs> but more or less, just to tell the story of uh, this to me, it made me excited. It made me excited that somebody else out there is competing in a in throwing big money at a Dallas Clark card like this. It just made me excited because I think so much of what we see in the hobbies, this mainstream, new, the bickering, and everything else, and when I lost to someone on this card, it said, damn, there's someone out there who's feeling this vibe like I am. And I think that is important. So make sure always look for the silver linings and everything you do. And if you got that Dallas Clark card and you're a listener, slide into the DMs. Hopefully we can work something on. I know you just got it, but let's just have a chat. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. I'll be back. Carlson Cards on Friday. Stacking Slabs podcast, your hobby content alternative. Thanks for joining me.